Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams. Joining me is my co-host, Robbie Helene. Hello everybody. Thank you for listening. Are we both co-hosts then? I think so. I mean, unless you're establishing your superiority as the primary host. Primary host? And then I'm the well, secondary it's host. I'm greeting. I guess when you greet, you feel like... That's true. The, I mean, the, the reality is we'd rather have two co-hosts or any version of hosts than what we had last week, which was no hosts. It was a no host week. It was a no That's host true. week. I feel badly that like ended our consecutive streak of... 412 episodes straight episodes without a miss that's um i don't think that's accurate I, but i'm just going off of nobody's like, here to fact check yeah it. there's no we've already established we have no fact checkers um <laughs> no but it did it, it felt it felt strange and uh so i guess you know we can dip back you know past week too if you if you want to um but but yeah i don't know i don't it just feels i feel out of practice here especially with you because even though you haven't been on the podcast in like three months, I mean, years, I think, years. since I've been here. Yeah, I've heard I've been talked about on the podcast, well, but I, mean, I haven't Jeff, been. Jeff, Jeff, about you. Jeff did. Okay. Yeah, I defended. We'll you. discuss that later. I defended you. I think he was just trying to usurp you. <laughs> so just Jeff, trying to move that's in. So Jeff, in your seat. Felt he seemed like he was getting really comfortable. Actually, that's not true. For those I of moved, you who know Jeff, that yeah. is the exact opposite it is. of anything yes. Jeffish. Yes, I know. I need to make sure that's clear because somebody's going to think like, "Well, that Jeff guy sounds shady." <laughs> that guy sounds like the yeah. worst. No, it's no, called. He's the best. Yeah, it's irony. It is me. I'm the worst. I'm the one that makes all <laughs> the problems. Too far. Too far. Too far. So speaking of too far, um, the well, sermon. Okay. Wait. <laughs> Speaking of two, I had no idea where so you were going too with far. that. I was, but it made me nervous. Let's talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. Okay. <laughs> why, dude? Why? Just kidding. Why would you open that door? I mean, it's, yeah, that's fun. Let's close that door quickly. Close, close that door Moving quickly. Moving right along. Moving Acts right chapter along. two. Acts chapter two. two. So yeah. Sunday was great. Thanks. I yeah, like, it was great. I like what you did there. Um, well, I. This, yes, go ahead. Was it Pat? Or like a? Are you just trying show? to talk over me? No. Okay. That was actually an accident. So this passage was interesting because I have taught on this passage probably maybe more than any other passage. Really? Probably. Especially because when you factor in the number of times I've spoken at, about church planting oh, and yeah. you know all those different things, this passage comes up so frequently uh, when you're trying to get back to basics For of sure. how do you start a church? What's the point of a church? What should a church look like? You know you're going to go back to this passage in Acts um, when the church began. So it is is a church, it is a passage I've spent a ton of time in. And so it was very interesting to try to think, okay, well, all right, what do you, trying to figure out what does the Holy Spirit want said about that this time in this context with these people in this, yeah. So what's so. something that you felt like was different than your typical approach? Because I know you didn't just get up there and do your, Maybe. Typical X no. two sermon like this. This was fresh. You spent a lot of time working through it, praying through it this week. And so, what was something that you felt like stood out to you this time, or felt particularly practical to our family? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, it really was the whole the point of being fully devoted, because yeah. in the past, when you're when you're dealing with it in a church planting situation or with um you know so often we would go back to that passage when we had house churches and 
um, non-believers or brand new believers. And there you're just, you're kind of going through the, okay, here are the rhythms that they were in. There'd be a lot of focus on these rhythms. We need to spend time together. We need to be devoted to the the word and, and what does that look like? And um, how do we pray together? Those, those different facets. But what I was struck by was that, you know, you can do all those things and the church has gone through different iterations. It's a lot, it's very different when you're talking to a group of brand new believers about these habits because they already, they typically have kind of that devotion piece. Like they've just committed themselves to this thing that is brand new to them. And so now they just need the help of some of these habits to get put into. Well, it's different when you're talking to an established church uh, where a lot of those habits have been in place for a long time, but sometimes the heart towards those um, kind of wanes. Hmm. Just like, you know, I think a lot of people have that experience. You know, if you're working in a, a brand new job, your your energy level is, is high, but yeah. you're learning how to do the different things. Your excitement level is high and you're learning how to do the things. Then you get the things, kind of the rhythms down, and then and then maybe you forget kind of the whole reason why you were doing it or the heart, the, the excitement that you mm. attacked it with. Um, you know, we say that about marriages. So you see that a lot in the cycle of marriages. Like there's a reason why you have the whole newlywed phase where everything, you think everything's great and everything's just, you know, and then you, over time, um, that can shift for people mm. and, and it, you have to work harder. You may be better at the rhythms of marriage, but maybe lacking some of the the devotion in the heart towards it. So that was the big thing. Mm. I just kept being struck by this, that they were fully devoted. They fully devoted themselves to these things. What would you suggest to someone who says, yes, I'm feeling that I, I, I was excited when I was a new believer and I was, I was fully invested and involved and that has kind of waned. Um, what I know to some people, I've actually heard some people give the advice of, well, that's just what happens. Like that's the normal Christian life. That's that's just going to happen to you. Um, I I don't think that's the best advice because it reminds me of Revelation in the church to Ephesus and the and Jesus' complaint about the churches. You have lost your first love. Right. So it's not supposed to wane. Jesus says that's a problem when it does that. So how how would you encourage somebody to to try to get that back? Because it's different than saying go back to what you were before. Like you don't tell a newlywed, oh, be just be like you were, or, or not a newlywed, but someone who's been married for a long time. Just be how you were when you were newlyweds. Well, you can't because everything's new and everything's fresh, and now you know each other and you've experienced life. So it's going to look different. So what does it look like now for me to kind of reignite some of that devotion? It's a great question. I think I think the, the big thing is to in, engage in the mission of God. It's to step out in faith and and push yourself to do things that, that feel uncomfortable, like stretching, never feeling like you've arrived at things. Um, whether that's, um, you know, whether that's, you've always given a certain amount and to stretch and to, to give more, or you, um, maybe you've been in the same small group for a long time and, and, but you got has opened some doors with some non-believers or with brand new believers that you could pursue and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to spend time with them and, and, and try to share the gospel um, or attach yourself to somebody who is doing that. The reason for all of that is because it, it kind of, it shakes you out of a faith that you can manage on your own. Because mm-hmm. ultimately that's what I think, that's what I think happens is over time we create for ourselves 
a form of following Jesus that is very manageable. Yeah. She's very doable. Um, one of the things I would think of is it's like if you're training for a marathon, you, 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 you keep growing, you keep pushing yourself to, to be able to run further and, and, and for longer. Um, but if you just kind of stopped at a certain point and then said, okay, well, I've, I've arrived and now I'm just going to maintain this. Well, you're going to create something that isn't, isn't all that difficult anymore for you. Like what was hard when you first started on day one is not the same thing that's hard on, on day 20, you know, or if you're lifting weights or something, you, you, if you want to grow in something, you have to continually push yourself beyond your comfort zone Hmm. by definition, because otherwise you just stay in your comfort zone. And I, I think for a lot of Christians, it is, it is, we, we do things that were at one point took a lot of faith to kind of step out to do something. Like the amount of faith it takes for somebody to just come to a church, walk in the doors of a church, yeah. that's a that's a huge step. We've had so many new people lately, and the one thing that I'm always amazed by, and I and I typically share it with them, is just how much I admire their courage to walk in for the first time. Yeah. But yeah. after you've been coming for a few years, that doesn't take a lot of courage. No. To walk in those doors, it's kind of like the first time. The first time I spoke to Lauren took a lot of courage. The first time that I asked her out on a date took a lot of courage. Doesn't doesn't take as much courage to go over and talk to Lauren now. After no, well, I should hope not. I uh, no, yeah. So like in our twentieth year of marriage, right. now it, it it doesn't take as much courage. Asking that, her if she wants to get dinner together should not be a stressful right. circumstance. But there are things that could be, and there are things that push me out of my comfort zone. And, and when I seek to love her well, and then, and yeah. I need that's, I, I need to continue to do that. So that's the I, I I that's all just to say, pushing yourself, go out of your comfort zone, and step out in faith. And then when you see God move and work in that, that rejuvenates that excitement. Because what was exciting at the beginning was seeing the Holy Spirit work. Yeah. And so you see him work when he does things that you're like, I, I couldn't have done that on my own. I didn't orchestrate that. Hmm. So sudden, settling into a manageable Christian life sets me up to potentially miss what the Spirit is doing because it's kind of like doing the same the exact same workout every day. Like I'm just right. doing what my body can do. So it's not actually growing anything or, or changing anything because I'm just doing what I'm capable of doing. And so my Christian life rhythm becomes just as mundane. And so I'm not being stretched. I'm not being put in positions where I have to depend on Christ utterly. And then, which means that I, I don't get that same sense of satisfaction and excitement of seeing him come through in those circumstances. Right. And that, and that workout thing, I think that's a really good metaphor that is helpful because you think about the couch to 5k or whatever, your first step towards that may be to get up and walk for five minutes continuously. Right. But nobody trains for a marathon by walking five minutes a day, every day. Right. That's never going to get you there. And at some point that's going to become very manageable and if you don't up that or the whole, when you see people grow in their ability to do push-ups, and they do one and they add one every week, well, you have to add one doing one push-up a day will not make right. you able to do a hundred push-ups. 
um, it'll it'll allow you to do one, and two's probably going to hurt. Yeah, and yeah. and so so that's that is a really and I think we just have that in our culture of feeling like the sense of arriving. There's the sense of like, well, I'm a I'm a mature Christian now, or I've been a Christian for a long time. Therefore, like I'm in the advanced track, mm. and we can look at other situations and 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 think that that I'm not supposed to be in awe or wonder anymore. And that's a sad place to be. Man, something, something has broken significantly. If my habits are diminishing my sense of awe in the creator, God of the universe. Yeah. I need to sit on that for a little while. Well, fortunately, we you're in a format that right, right now, yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note. So that no, I can we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll just let sit here. I really thought you were gonna say something else, and I'm like, the radio background for me was going dead air, dead air, dead air. <laughs> they just Sorry. switched to 102.9. That's why you don't want dead Did air. They? they just switch. Oh. They switch stations. They switch stations on this. All right. They probably switched stations a long time ago. So if they're still hanging, then they're they're probably okay with That's three true. seconds of Robbie's silent contemplation. Sorry about that. So yeah, that's the the idea that um so that goes back to that kind of original idea of that devotion and just kind of checking our own hearts like am I am I devoted to this fellowship? Am I devoted to the church family or do I see it as a an organization that benefits my spiritual growth? That's a help mm-hmm. in my spiritual growth. Cuz I think that's classic view of the church in, in our culture today is I see the church as a resource to help me grow in my personal faith. Which I think when most people hear that, they would wonder what's wrong with that. That sounds like a good thing. Yeah. Well, that would so be what's like, wrong with that. It'd be like me saying that the, the purpose of my marriage is um, I see my wife as a resource to help me better myself as a human being. That sounds much ickier. Yeah. Now, I would say, of course, she does that. Right, of course. And the church does right. serve as a place to yes, it is grow a, you spiritually. Yes, it is a resource right. to help people grow in their faith. But that is not, um, I would not say that, you know, my children. So, yeah, we've often said if, if you're a parent, um, it's common to say that children are very sanctifying presence because you see reflections Indeed. of your own sin and and all that. And and those are all true things. But if you were to say, what's the centerpiece of being a parent? Like, what is it really, what's the value of being a parent or what, um, what's the point of, of all this? If I said, well, my kids exist to make me a better human being. Yeah. That's pretty awful actually. And, um, and so I think shifting from that and that is so deeply rooted in us. Yeah. It's so deeply rooted in us and in our culture that we barely can see it. It's it's such a blind spot in our culture. Um, it's it's one of those things that people from another culture that are not affected in that same way would look at it and just think, how in the world could you? How do you not see this? How do you not see that the the culture of just kind of bouncing around and looking for the most entertaining sermon or the most entertaining mm-hmm. worship team, you know, or the or the most programs or any of these different things that we just kind of think like, well, it's normal. Like I just, um, that that is not at all what the church is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. 
and we miss out on a lot when we when we don't see that devotion um, that that they had and that they're fully committed to being the people of God together. That's interesting. That reminds me of a, a, a quote I heard just last week from a pastor in Iran where evidently the current fastest growing Christian revival is taking place in Iran, mm-hmm. which I had not heard because nobody's talking about that. And I feel like we should be talking about that. Um, but one of the things that one of the, the the pastors in that movement mentioned is uh, he said very kindly in, in the most non-accusatory way you can say something like this because it is rather condemning, but he, he said that the Western church has fallen asleep. That that the, for a large part we we have simply fallen asleep and don't realize the 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 eternal realities that are that are all around us that are affecting us that are affecting people around the world that are affecting the kingdom um and and that his hope his prayer is that we would wake up to those realities because i i think he would agree with what you said earlier that we've just sort of gotten accustomed to a certain comfortable rhythm and meanwhile we have brothers and sisters around the world who are experiencing a very early acts experience of of the holy spirit transforming hearts and lives and communities in the midst of um persecution and and incredibly difficult circumstances around them and so to them they read acts and this isn't a how do we get back to this they're reading that and going yeah Exactly. That's that's exactly what we're experiencing, and and are oftentimes wondering why why does it seem like our brothers and sisters outside of this, who are in a place of comfort and resources and could be of great service to us, don't seem to even know that we're here. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that is a that's an important critique to hear. Um, you know, I, we see this in a common human experience. There are people, so like when parents grow up poor, for example, and you see this all the time in our, in our culture, parents who are people who grow up poor and then have fine success, you know, they build a business or they have some kind of career or whatever, and now they have money and they have kids who grow up under having all the opportunities and mm-hmm. all the money. And their big concern often is, man, my, my kid doesn't know what it's like to be hungry. They don't know what it's yeah. like to have to be motivated, to have to make it or else, you know. they. So it's both this thing that you see as a blessing is also a curse. That's right. Because you want, you would never want, if you had the means and the opportunity, you'd never starve your child just so of they feel, they would feel what it was to be hungry. Right. Um, you would never, you know, sabotage their getting into a college just because they've had opportunities, you know, at a good school or whatever. Um, but you also would be worried that, man, that, that they would not grow up, that they would grow up maybe a little soft or a little Mm -hmm. like just unaware of how the world actually functions and unaware of those realities. And I think that's what the, the pastor in Iran is saying that the, you're just you're just kind of asleep. You don't hmm. you don't realize how big of a deal some of these things are, and um, and and so we are often in that situation. We have to say this all the time that the answer isn't for the American church 
to burn all of our books, right? You know, right. And, and stop having, stop using the internet to distribute um, sermons, and and stop having so many resources. I don't think that's the answer. That can feel like it could be the answer. Every bit as much as the parent could just say, "All right, we'll just cut up all their credit cards and and have them have to make it on their own." Well, that's okay in theory until your kid's in trouble, and then guess what? You're gonna mm. you're gonna help them, like because you're not a monster. And so, right. I think similarly, we just need to be aware, though, that that is as much of a um, an obstacle in our faith as it is a help. And, and I think if we are able to turn that outward and to see the resources and the money and all that stuff that we have to see it as a a way of blessing others rather than kind of blessing ourselves, I think that's a Mm -hmm. big step in helping that. So, um, the, the, the wealthy man, there are, there are billionaires in our culture who live like they make $50,000 a year. Yep. And you don't even yeah. know who they are yeah. a lot of times. You don't even have any idea. But they just live that way, and then they just use that money to to bless you know, others. And, man, can you imagine if the American church did that? Can you imagine if instead of undertaking a $300 million building campaign, they just said, you know what? We're, we're good with this facility. Right. How about we plant... I mean... <laughs> For three hundred million, million dollars. I mean, you could plan. Oh my word! Uh, I mean, a billion or more churches, like <laughs> right. easily. Like it's it's across the globe. Like you couldn't even count the number. You could exhaustively plant churches at that point. And I think so. I think that would be something that we could do. I don't know. We kind of got off on a, a, a tangent there. I don't even remember how we got how you got on Iran and what's going on there. But oh, Acts two. Acts <laughs> two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I, th- I think if we can come full circle, if you'll allow me. Yes, I would. Lo- I'd love for you. Lots of people would love for you to do that. I think I think it. Um, you referenced it in your sermon when you addressed the reality that we can we can be right and still be in sin. I thought that was such a profound and helpful uh, reminder that just being right about something does not mean we aren't in sin. And even doesn't mean that we're not in sin about that thing that I hold the correct position in. Hmm. So in in what ways, uh, you know, are we resting in the fact that we hold the right beliefs, we hold the right opinions about those things, but are not walking in the obedience that those things demand, that those things call us to. And so we are losing a bit of that sense of awe in God because since we're not walking in obedience in those ways, we're not seeing the results, the miraculous results of walking in obedience in those ways. And on top of that, Christian brothers and sisters around the world are not benefiting from the blessing of us walking in obedience to those things. Is that a question? I don't know. Did it start as a question? I don't know. I don't know if I landed that plane exactly. It was a... Do you have any follow-up thoughts or disagreements with no, man, the previous I, sentences? You know, you know, I'm with you on that. I I think it's a really critical. Yeah, I think. Well, and I think where that relates is that we somehow have this false theology that because our country has succeeded in so many ways, um, 
that that must be God blessing us because of our faithfulness to him. And we need to realize that the faithfulness of the church in Iran is, I mean, the situation that they're in is not indicative of the amount of faith in the church there. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, call back again to the letters of the churches in Revelation. Right. Like each of those letters are to various circumstances. And, and typically, I would guess each of those churches was surprised to get their letter. Either Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, I realize everything seems awful around you, but you guys are awesome. Like they were probably surprised to hear like Jesus thinks they're awesome because they're going, well, our circle, like we're under persecution. This is right. terrible. And there's other people that he straight up says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Yeah. You are dead. You have no faith whatsoever, even yeah. though everybody thinks that you are so faithful. So, uh, which is hard. Yeah. I mean, again, this is so difficult, but in some ways in the, in the American church, we are, we are like the classic trust fund babies. Like that we just kind of, we grew up under a legacy of faith of generations before um, where there was, you know, persecution, there was challenge or whatever, but, but so much has developed in that, that to grow up as a Christian in the United States is pretty cushy. And so all of us have grown up. There's not a single person alive today in our country who did not grow up in a, who grew up in a persecuted state. In that if you were born and raised in the United States as a Christian, you don't know. We don't we don't know what that's like. And um and so the faith so again it makes us unaware of sometimes of bigger things at play because we think that kind of what we're experiencing is um is normal. And and then we get this false idea that we're somehow like an advanced church because of Mm. that and i i think that's that's the big thing i think would surprise most people in the american church is if you're just like we're not advanced we we are advanced in worldly ways we have more money more resources bigger buildings all that stuff but if you're talking about um any other spiritual metric of you know where is god moving and doing you know miracles where where are more people coming to faith in Christ? Where do we see examples of just biblical faith in biblical proportions? It we're kind of lagging behind. You know, it reminds me a little bit. Remember back in the way back in the eighties and the nineties or whatever when we were losing our lead in math and science. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it just it took it took a decade for educators in America to even believe right. that we were actually losing ground. Like there used to be debates over, well, but how are you measuring that? Like, no, it just, it's just total denial because we're resting on our laurels. We're looking back and saying, yeah, but this is the home of the industrial revolution and all these different things. Right. But that was a long time ago, you know? (laughs) And so to look at, you know, people escaping here for religious freedom. Yeah. That was a long time ago, you know? And, and we are, we're just in a different state in a different era right now. But that doesn't mean that we don't have something incredible to offer. But I think that's what the our brother in Iran is saying is that if we're asleep, if we wake up and realize the church across the globe is seeing incredible growth in the most unlikely of places or what feel like to us the most unlikely of places. And we have the ability to contribute and help and minister and comfort yeah. in those if we would just see it and turn outward. Yeah, the re- the response to that, the, the response to acknowledging what has been given to us and, and your 
your definition of cushy Christianity is not, I don't think, should not be shame Mm-mm. or or regret or like something is wrong, but to acknowledge that and, and say, wait a minute, we actually have this amazing resource to steward. We have this thing right in front of us. And so it, you know, it's realizing, feeling like, oh man, what what could I possibly do to help this poor guy? And then reaching your pocket and being like, wait a minute, I got a hundred dollar bill in here. Hey, let's go get some lunch. Like, like suddenly realizing I have the resources because God chose to place us in this place, in this time, in this context, um, that instead of just resting in the comfort of that, of saying, wow, what an awesome privilege and responsibility that has been given to us. How can we steward this well for the kingdom? How can we walk in the kind of obedience that Christ calls us to in a way that allows us to say not just of our own church, but but the global church and none of them and nobody had any need because they all had everything in common. Right. Yes. Taking that to a global, which I wish I would have had a time had time to do that, to say this isn't just here locally, but right. it is global. Like our brothers and sisters in Iran, like we should be considering how do we support because you see that in the New Testament where Paul, you know, he's writing some churches supported him to be able to go and share the gospel with other churches and other places. And then he didn't have to rely on the places that he was ministering to, to support him because other people were supporting him. And we, we need to, we need to do that more and more. And I think that then goes back to the idea of what do you, how do you increase the devotion? Well, that's part of it. Part of it is to widen my stance and realize that I'm a part of a worldwide church. That's right. It's not just right here. In my, there's lots going on right here in my community that I can be a part of that would increase my devotion and my awe and my wonder. Um, and then looking globally and seeing that. Um, and then and then realizing, you know, to your, what you're talking about, saying that you, you can be right and still be in sin, that's a, that is a heart stance. Yeah. And for so long, I mean, one, things, one of the things that has plagued the American church is, has been this worship of knowledge, this thing that Paul says puffs up, you know, this idea that, that being right about something is what matters most. Hmm. And as long as, and, and that gets looked at in a vacuum, as if I can, as long as I'm right, then I'm most of the way there. And then if I can be right in a loving way, that's what kind of bumps it up a notch. And what you see all the time in the New Testament, especially, but also in the Old Testament, is that to do the right thing or say the right thing or believe the right thing with the wrong heart nullifies it. That's right. It's not just slightly less better. Right. It's filthy rags. Yes. And... And we just need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that so that what we have to offer other countries and other churches, the church in Iran and other places, is not our vast amounts of knowledge. What we have to offer is is comfort. I think Hmm. financial help is something that we can offer, people resources. Um, But we also then can learn from them in their faith. It's not... Oh yeah. It, not in a way, not in a patronizing way of like, oh, isn't that cute that they have that faith? Like they spend some time. <laughs> if you've never had the opportunity to spend time with a Christian who lives in a persecuted country, you will walk away. I guarantee you will walk away feeling like you are just with a spiritual giant mm. and they could be a brand new believer. Yep. They could have like no 
education at all. And you will walk away thinking, wow, I, my faith is nowhere near hmm. that. And I want it to be. And so I think, you know, embracing that and just being acknowledging it for what it is and then saying, okay, well then how do we then steward what we have been given? Because we were placed here for a reason. And, and so, man, all that, this was quite the tangent from the, from the sermon, but, uh, but it is this idea of being, if I'm devoted to that, if my, the only way that all happens is if I reorient my life around this purpose and mission and identity. I love that. I love that. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, so that's, that's running the marathon. What is my five minutes of walking around? Um, then we, we want to help you with that. We want to help you take those first steps um, so that, you know, do, doing what we're able to do, empowered by the Spirit now, so that a year from now we're doing things that we never thought we were ever going to be capable of. So we want to help you in that, um, and we need to know if you want help. So, And I know you're doing your wind-up spiel, like you're landing the plane. And I just grabbed the. And you, you love grabbing grab the handles and like. Here we go. But here's the one of those steps is to to really fully invest in a local church family. So you may be listening to this yep. and you don't live here. You don't go to our church. Um, that would be one. Of the The first step is to say, okay, this is meant to be done in community. I can't. Um, I can't be fully devoted and conjure that up just in my own self. Like I don't have. Um, the lure of consumerism and comfort and all that is just too strong. We need to be around other brothers and sisters who are also pursuing that same thing so that when, when I am weak, another is strong and vice versa. Um, and that we, we start to kind of be able to together see the kingdom way as the normal hmm. and, yeah. and, and catch that as a vision. And so if you need help, uh, you know, here, if you're here and you're part of our church, then we want to help you connect into deep community here. But if you are in another area and you're saying, I, I don't know where to go, you can let us know. And we would love to help. Um, you know, we have the spiritual gift of being able to look at church websites and quickly being able to, <laughs> it is a, it's a miraculous gift. It is. It's a, it's a, you know, and quickly, quickly look at it and say, okay, this, this would be a good place to go connect and here's here's who are you what you want to look for and and um here's who you want to connect with and because there's just no substitute to that there is no substitute to being a part of a local body of believers who are going to pursue jesus together there you go that now that's I, good stuff I, i'll let you land the plane do we have clearance to land yeah clearance to land clearance you've been cleared land. for landing all right we're bringing it home we love you church we are grateful to serve you and to serve alongside you and until next time, grace and peace to you. Yeah.